Miles McLaughlin, gods damn it. <laughs> what are you doing here out of uniform? Why aren't you in the brig, gods damn it? Hello, sci fi fans. This is Michael Hogan, Colonel Ty. From <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and you're listening to the sci fi. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Anna. Your table is ready. It's long and This is the capital. We have a little problem with our entrance sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Well, just put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Well, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 186. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And I'm M. Sierra Garcia. Hello. And Miles P. McLaughlin is not with us tonight due to a real-world obligation, so we know where his priorities lie. But I have grabbed a sock and made a sock puppet, and yes. that will be Miles P. McLaughlin. That's right. And since M. does voiceover work, we're just going to voice over Miles. You know, just does. Okay. So, um, this is Miles. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> How are you, Scott? It's nice to see you. Right, right. Nice. Pay no attention to the argyle along my neck. Right, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so how's HVAC going, Miles? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, anyways, uh, just some news up front here before we get into the menu tonight. In a moment, we'll be bringing Mike from the from ZCon on, and uh, and we're going to talk about we're going to be talking to Mike Doherty. <gasps> yeah. So we'll be talking. He's, he's not. He's not going to be our interview tonight. But we're going to be talking to him kind of as a side thing because he has a really phenomenal campaign that's going on. So we'll talk. He's to him. a great guy. He's he doing is. some awesome, yeah. and he's looking for some people to be part of the awesome. And who doesn't want to be awesome? Yeah, I mean, come on. Um, in case you did not see this come across Facebook and everywhere else, we are now a part of the Chronic Riff Network. So Woo! joining HG World's a part of that. Did you know that, Em? That's very cool. I'm very excited. Yeah, so we're part of Jonas Drew and a bunch of other podcasts. We kind of joined those ranks. So uh, if you haven't checked out the Chronic Rift Network uh, soiree of podcasts, be sure to do that. So. It's very cool. We're in we're in some excellent company. I'm Absolutely. very excited. Yeah, yeah. We were a part of the Lifestyle Pod Network, uh, and you know what? They're a great network of podcasts too, but. We were like the only genre podcast that I'm aware of that was on that. So I'm very glad to be among other genre and pop media podcasts. So, yeah. And we do have the other thing that's new in our world is we now, if you go to our webpage and haven't been to the sci-fi diner podcast.com website, we now have affiliate lists to Amazon. And so as you're looking to buy your next novel, download or rent your next movie or Oh, I don't know. Whatever you buy on Amazon, and consider doing so through the SciFiDinerPodcast.com website. And uh, we get uh, – it doesn't cost you anything more. Just we get a little kickback from Amazon that helps support the show, the, the hosting, the 
the um, the URL and all the other things we kind of pay pay for to make this possible. So it's kind of neat because that way, if you're going through the site and we're talking about a particular book or a movie or something. Bada bing, the link yeah. is right there. Yeah. You can just go and buy it and get it, and you get a little pro- something, we get a little something, and then in the end, we're all big winners. Yeah. In fact, one of the things that I have been doing, at least in the most recent shows, I'm going to try to do it in the listener feedback show and then this show, is the stuff we talk about. I create a little box with all the things that we talked about, and you can just scroll through and say, oh, there it is. I want to check it out, and you can do so. Awesome. So Awesome, awesome. Got to continue to do that, and again, you help us out. And you can always throw some money in the tip jar. You know, we're a diner, we get to, but whatever, uh, this is another way to make it tangible for you as well. Beyond awesome. what we're giving. Yeah. And here's tonight's menu. Let's move into our menu tonight. Tonight, we have our interview with Vic Nonya. Mignogna. Mignogna. I better totally mispronounce that. Um, where's Miles when you need him? Did you, were you part of the interview when Miles interviewed this guy? I was not. He's really, really, really just a sweet, sweet guy, but oh, yeah. I, I didn't make it there that day. Yeah, yeah. So he's from Star Trek Continues, but also well known for his work with Fiddle, Full, Fiddle, <laughs> listen to me, uh, Full Metal Alchemist and Dragon Ball Z are probably the biggest things that he's done. Um, he's huge in the voiceover world. Absolutely, huge. absolutely, yeah. Um, and uh, we have a new trivia question. Actually, it's one we gave a couple weeks, and we have a lot of people buying for Samantha Carter. I know. Uh, I know. So we have a lot. We have a lot of people. Are we and, picking someone tonight? No, no, no. They have another uh, two weeks to answer this question, oh. or another week. So uh, I believe it's the fifteenth is when we're October fifteenth. Your entries must be in by that date. We'll share that with you. In TV oh. news, we have an update on the Doctor Horrible sing-along blog Yay. sequel and Firefly's new sequel. Of sorts, Yay. of sorts, right? Movie news: right. We have some Wonder Woman, a Wonder, Wonder Woman trailer that we're going to play Yay. in the show. It's not really a trailer, but we'll get to that. Batman and Superman movie just might have Wonder Woman. We'll talk about that rumor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then we're going to hear Khan's uh, voice as Smog in a trailer. Jurassic Park gets its star, or what Bleh. they're saying, its star. Uh, and then Zcon, your con will be infested. We'll be talking to Mike Doherty sometime in this show when he comes online, actually accepts my friend request on Skype. Curse you, he Mike Doherty. I know, I know. I probably just, oh, no, that's not it. I thought my phone just flashed. No, it wasn't him. But um, my phone's flashing me. Woo. Um, and the twist, <laughs> we'll be, yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking about how Trek 2 should have ended. I'm a little bit scared to play this video. Maybe I'll need to edit this out. Uh, and in Brian Fuller's <laughs> new Star Trek series that he's thinking about but won't tell us much about. Nice. And we're going to end with uh, Jen M. from New York's top five female characters. And M., I think this is kind of a response to that whole debacle we had with yours. So she rose to the challenge. Awesome. Here. Awesome. So we're going to hear know, what she I, has to say. awesome. Yeah, I'm looking so, forward to it. Yeah, so it should be good. So... You call yourself a geek and a nerd? Prove it. Prove your geek cred by answering challenging trivia and entering for a chance to win some awesome prizes. You so, take the red pill. Well, oh, first, do you guys start? We, we, we have to kind of introduce it, right? So okay. you have to tell us who said this and in what movie it was said. Now go, Em. Who is this and what movie? And scene. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, 
All I'm offering is the truth. Nothing more. Ooh, ooh, I know it. I know it. <laughs> James Batman. I know. I know. Uh, code word is quantum torpedo. And if you answer this correctly. Your name will get put in the hat. Yes, and we will be drawing for a Amanda Tapping sign print, sign photograph of her, and uh, so it's something that you definitely want to check out. If you haven't done so, check out the interview we did with her in episode 185. Tons of people loved that. We had tons of downloads on the Amanda Tapping. uh, Oh, my gosh. She is Dreamy McDreamerson. Adorbs. Yep. Well, let's move into our first promo tonight. Our first promo is from the guys at the Weekly Podioplex. I'm going to be honest, I haven't taken the time to check out this guy's podcast, but we got a promo from them. They're a part of the Chronic Rift Network. And cool. um, have you listened to their podcast before, Em? I have not. I've actually, now that we're on the, um, on the Chronic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I flagged everything to download so that I can consume yeah. and get to know all of our new neighbors. Yeah. And, I, and ditto with that. It's on my feed and I just haven't checked them out. But I thought we'd plug them in tonight in tonight's show. So uh, go ahead. You can listen to the promo and then check out their podcast. Do you like movies? Well, let me make you an offer that you can't refuse. Have you ever found yourself standing at the local Cineplex with that smell of freshly buttered popcorn wafting through your nostrils, wondering if that new Hugh Jackman movie is really worth your time? Or have you ever lamented about that time you spent scouring the vast expanse of the internet for movie and DVD release dates when, let's be honest, you'd rather be leveling up your troll hunter, working on the great American novel, or even watching kitten videos? Oh yes, I said kitten videos. I will do the work for you. All I ask is 15 to 30 minutes of your time every Tuesday. My name is Michael Faulkner, and every Tuesday is showtime at the Weekly Patioplex, your audio guide to what's new at the box office, how the top 10 fared over the weekend, and what's coming to your home theater on DVD and Blu-ray. You can find the Weekly Podioplex on the Chronic Rift Network at www.chronicrift.com, along with a plethora of other podcasts that explore the culture in pop culture. The Weekly Podioplex, brought to you by the Chronic Rift. Thanks for listening. We'll see you at the theater. That's a wrap! For your first course, the latest in the universe of science fiction multimedia. And we are back. Let's we're back. Re- we're back. Um, we're back. Um, let's talk TV news. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about this Dr. Horrible sequel? I highlighted kind of what I thought was the essence of this. Um, and it's just a short blurb that a few sure. of the people had kind of talked about. We've been, you know, when during the writer's strike, when this was first conceived of and produced it kind of was this little web thing and became a sensational they finally aired it on tv i love dr harville sing-along blog and it kind of drew us you know to felicia day malcolm reynolds you know neil patrick harris and so we've been malcolm kind of waiting reynolds. we i know i know <laughs> nathan to me. right nathan fillion <laughs> right and and we, we've been waiting for the sequel for a long time well, they've been talking about a sequel for a long time. I know. Well, they haven't been talking, talking. There have been hints. There's been a right. lot of hints. And we've been hearing a lot about a sequel to the project. So, you know, that was, it was 2008. Yeah, 2008. And, you know, while they've been out promoting uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Joss and his brother, Jed, and his wife, um, Marissa were they're they're pretty open to the idea of getting to see and have been chatting about the seeing Neil Patrick Harris. I love NPH. Um, 
back in that coat, back in that coat, it'd be really awesome. Um, you know, but the mil- there's a, it's a million dollar question. Like, when is it going to happen? And according to um, his wife, Marissa, you know, they wish they could do everything at the same time, but it's always something that's in their hearts and it's always something that they desperately want to do. Now, Joss is away and he's in London prepping and we they're here every day consumed by Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, but there are six songs ready to go. Yay! How exciting! Um, and it's funny because Marissa says that she's going to play groupie number one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm very excited about that. So that's a nice little, like, throwback. I, it's, it's great to watch. It's very sweet. There's some excellent character actors in there that, you, that it really got them a little bit more visibility. Like the guy who plays Wallowitz. I can't remember... I can't remember the actor's name, but he's moist and he he plays moist. <laughs> it's, it's he there's there's some great people and Jed is one of the cowboys. I know that um, the singing cowboy. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's kind of cool. I'm excited about that. I'm curious what other people think about it too. Yeah, well, I've been waiting for this for a long time, but and speaking of Joss, yeah, let's talk more about let's talk more about more Joss Serenity getting a sequel. Kind of, sort of, well, maybe. Um, we knew, we reported earlier that they're coming out with a video game, a little iOS, uh, Android video game of it, which will yeah. put us into the pilot seat of Serenity, our ship like it, and we can explore the universe uh, and get all shiny. But Dark Horse Comics is putting out a comic book continuation, and we don't know a lot about it, but here's what the synopsis kind of reads. Um, and it says... As the series begins, series begins. Mao and the crew are recouping from the recent strike against a, a sinister interplanetary government. The uh, alliance in which they exposed government agencies as those responsible for the creation of the Reavers, the scourge of the universe, with River Tam in the co-pilot chair and a very pregnant Zoe reeling from the death of her husband Wash, Mao is finding himself and his ship in greater danger than ever. Zoe Prego. I know. Wow. I know. That must be in an interesting first trimester. <laughs> yes. Yes. At least there's a doctor wow. on board, right? I know, but she's a tough cookie. That yeah. sounds real. I'm I'm in. I'll, I'll I'll go back to buying comic books for that. Yeah. I have a problem with the people who are li- who like all the bring back Firefly T-shirts because you know it's not going to happen. Oh, I know. So I love that they're bringing the story back in a different media that we can enjoy and consume and be happy and revel in. And, you know, if you want to spread it out across the bed and roll around in it, that's great. But I, what I don't want is the, what I, that's not a nice thing to say. What I'm hoping is that people will accept this as a, as a really great alternative and that they're not going to start like a giant Kickstarter. Like we have to bring Firefly back. Look, they're in the comic books. Yes. They're totally in the comic books. That's awesome. But it's, like I said before, if you're going to bring it back to television, it needs to be a new iteration. Maybe it's it's Zoe's kid, or maybe it's another ship, or maybe, you know, I don't know. There's there's room for something there in that universe. It's huge and cool. I mean, space pioneers. Who who wouldn't love? I'm into this. Uh, I'm kind of past serenity. I, I would love to see some incarnation of the universe back. Um and I would love to see it back in the small screen, but I'm mm-hmm. past with it being the original crew. Mm-hmm. You know, so 
So I'm okay with being beyond it. People might hate me for that, but there's really no way they're going to bring it back after 10 years. So Right. Yeah. I, I mean, Wash is my favorite. Wash was beyond my favorite. And then right after him was The Preacher. They were they were very integral to, for me because they were they were the best sounding boards yeah. um, for yeah. the crew. So as goofy as as they were they were perfect. It was yeah. a perfect little blend of 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 characters, and we'll see what the comic book brings. Right, right. You know, I'm in, uh, I'm I'm well plussed for that, but yeah. um, I, I, I'm I'm in. I'm okay. So let's talk about uh, Wonder Woman here. Let's move into some movie news. This isn't really a movie, but but we saw a what a short. <laughs> yes. So there is. I found this link from our friend Michael. Um, there is a an actress, uh, Riley Vanderbilt, who had the pleasure of um, doing this really neat little short. Uh, she got to work on an epic Wonder Woman project with Rainfall Films, which I'm going to have to do some more research on them. Um, and it's kind of a little, it's a little snap. It's a little, like, it would be an amazing trailer of an, a different version of a Wonder Woman. Her costume is amazing. The story and the filmmaking, it's very much like, um, it reminds me a lot of the 300 and that style mm of graphic novel, chiaroscuro, and, you know, slow motion, awesome, epic action. It's, it's, uh, it's, we just go to the web. We'll link her, um, her page and just read about what she got to do and then watch the video. Cause it's yeah. amazing. Please check it out because it is absolutely, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It is awesome sauce all the way. It's beautiful. All the way. And, uh, talk about wonder woman. We got some other rumor, whether this is true or not, uh, Wonder Woman will show up in Batman versus Superman. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this is what we know, and there is a little, maybe a little bit of substance to this. Uh, we already know Man of Steel sequel will be inter- will introduce Ben Affleck uh, version of Batman, <laughs> but the new rumor indicates we, yeah, we might get to see another member of the Justice League. Some casting call buzz indicates is that director Zack Snyder looking for a strong woman. Between the ages of 25 to 33. And some agencies are under the impression they're putting up actresses to play Wonder Woman in the sequel. Not surprisingly, Warner Brothers hasn't confirmed or denied these reports. Um, And the only thing that they're saying that if they do this, this would actually give DC a leg up in Marvel by introducing one of the first major female superheroes. Mm. Um, Which is true. So mm-hmm. do we bring Wonder Woman into a movie that is the first incarnation where you have Batman and Superman together? I I don't know. I don't know. I you know, there are some other strong female characters in the Batman Superman universe. So that could be it. If it's Wonder Woman, I think it's it's too much too fast. Um and I, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm skeptical because every time Wonder Woman's tried to become something, it just kind of gets lost by the wayside or it gets done, you know, a little too haphazardly or it's it's too cartoony. It's not very serious. And, and I take I take Diana as a very serious character. She has a very serious mindset about who she is and and her people. And you can't 
You can't be super campy about it. And the 1970s version had its campiness to it, but Linda Carter was was oh, yeah. elegance and grace embodied. And that's I I want that. And they I don't know. I, I have a big problem with a lot of female characters in comic book universes because it's all boobs, no action. Yeah. And I, I this iteration that we saw from um that you can see on the link from uh, Riley Vanderbilt from Rainfall Films. This is the Wonder Woman I want to see on television. Yeah. You know, and here's the thing. I, I, it's, I agree with you overshadowing because you have two dominant superheroes. So Batman, you put Batman and Superman in. There's no way that Wonder Woman is going to... She's going to be secondary. She's going to be or secondary. And, and you almost need, one woman kind of needs her own film if you're going to put her into film. Or let's bring her back to television. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that every single incarnation we've tr- that they've tried to bring back has failed. But someday someone's going to do it right. And we it, think we just have to wait a little bit longer for that. We're going to have to wait and we're going to have to – I think we're not just going to have to wait for like time-wise to find the right people and the right – the right actress and the right writer. I think we're going to need to wait until there's the right people in the, in, in the studio. I think the studio guys are the ones who are kind of, they're looking to fit a mold and it's not going to happen that easy. You can't, it's, I don't want a cookie cutter. I want, I make me something different. Make me a pancake that isn't shaped like a round pancake. I want something different, but I want something elegant. So (laughs) <laughs> I want, I want, I want. I, I think it's there. It, it's capable. They're very capable of doing it. They just have to, you know, loosen themselves up a little bit and stop thinking about the dollar sign and really think about the substance. Yeah. Well, let's move into uh, us hearing Khan, a.k.a. Sherlock, uh, as oh. Smog in the new Hobbit trailer, right? So let's go ahead and let's hear him as Smog. The tales and songs fall utterly short of your enormity, oh smog, the stupendous. We are the dwarves of Elabor. We have come to reclaim our homeland. I offer you my help. Let me know you won't betray us. Victory, this evil will grow. Legolas has grown very fond of you. Do not give him hope where there is none. You have no right to enter that mountain. I have the only right. We've been blind in our blindness. But then there returned. something in the Goblin Tunnels. What did you find? <laughs> My courage. Good. You'll need it. Dragon fire and ruin. That is what you will bring upon us. He cannot see beyond his own desire. I will not 
risk this quest for the life of one burglar. His name was Bilbo. So, Em. <laughs> that was gorgeous. Such a gorgeously evil, velvety voice. He's perfect. Uh, this is like him as, you know, okay, despite the criticism for Star Trek Into Darkness, mm. his portrayal of Khan was evil. Absolutely evil. And he did us a beautiful job with that, in my opinion. It and, was the, it was elegant. Yes, it was it, absolutely elegant. And this is what he does. And this is what he's kind of bringing. Now I realize they have some vocal distortion on him or whatever they're doing to make him Smog's voice, but you can still hear Cumberbatch's voice underneath it. And my wife and I are still watching Sherlock, absolutely loving it. Really, so great. I know. And so he continues to pull this off. Now there, he's not a villain, but in the two villainous roles I've seen him in. Whew, I'm kind of looking. Uh, I'm kind of interested in just exploring the movie Fifth Estate that he's going to mm-hmm. be in, only because he's in it. You know, I really don't care about the movie, but <laughs> yeah, I just want to see him because he's in it and see his acting in it because I've been so, been so impressed with him. But oh, he's great. He just he's he he he's there's no comparison to him to anyone else. He is uniquely special and and talented in yeah. his own right, and I love it. Yep. Absolutely and, love it. And the fact that he's playing opposite his uh you know sidekick in Sherlock. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, isn't exactly. that that had to be fun filming that, you know. I know, I know. So, but Although, you know what? I I am sitting here stewing about the whole Wonder Woman in in, in Superman thing. Oh, <laughs> really? You didn't like yes, that? <laughs> I'm no, I can't let go of it. And I got, you know, it's when they did Catwoman. Oh, yeah. It was Awful, awful, awful. And Marvel hasn't really done anything for female characters either. You know, it just, I'm stewing. I'm stewing. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to put a pin in it and we'll discuss it another time. Because, oh. All right. We have one more piece (laughs) of news here. But before we do that, why don't we go ahead and bring Mike Doherty on? He's kind of been waiting in the sidelines here. And so he's going to come on to talk a little bit about Zcon. Let me add him to uh, let me add to the call here. Hey, how's it going? Can you hear us? I can hear you just fine. Awesome. Mike, it has been so long since I chatted with you. How you doing, man? I know, sir. Doing pretty well, man. I can't complain. Can't complain. So we have you on. Uh, I think the last time we had you on, you were actually anticipating doing this. Yeah, it was still it was still an idea. It wasn't anywhere close to being real yet. Yeah. So. And what idea is this? Yeah. Tell tell us about it, Mike. So uh, we have launched the the Zcon feature length film Indiegogo campaign as of. Uh, 12.01 a.m. this morning, being, uh, to the Monday, the not even Monday, it's Tuesday, uh, October 1st. <laughs> and, and the goal of that is to raise all the money that we possibly need to shoot the feature-length film. Yeah, awesome. So uh, 
Do you want to tell us tell us a little bit about ZCon? Because I know we've talked about it on the show before, but I bet it's been about a year and a half. And so we've so for new listeners that have come on board, board if I can speak here, that may not be familiar with, I guess tell tell us a little bit about the story of this film or the background, the setting. Yeah, so uh, the story is about four teenage kids who have a podcast, much like Sci-Fi Dunner. Um, and they go to their a big comic convention thinking they're going to get the interview that's going to turn their podcast into overnight success. Uh, for lack of a better term, they think they're going to talk to Will Wheaton, and that's just going to make them blow up. But they inevitably <laughs> get there, and, and next thing you know, they're stuck in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. Uh, so that's like the broad story. But the, the kind of heart of the story is kind of getting back to like the Romero-style zombie movies where the, the core story was about the people, not, and the zombies were just kind of the things that happened. Um, like the zombie land did a really good job of that. And, uh, like the walking dead's doing a, an okay job, but it, it's about this kid named Matt Moore, who is, he's essentially for lack of a better term, the producer of the podcast. And it's what he wants to do for a career. This is one of those kids that knows at 16. Uh, and you know, he's fighting with his mom because his grades are failing and he's not paying attention because he's just dedicated to making this podcast amazing. Um, and you know, the, for him, the convention is kind of the last chance. To, to prove that it's it's valuable because he's pretty much gotten told that it's it's either get your grades together or give up the dream. And then next thing you know, he's stuck in the middle of, like, what would really happen? Like, if you had the chance to fulfill your dream, but your dream was not what you thought it would be, would you still do it? And that's kind of the story of Zekon with his zombies. Right. Well, and the, you have that little teaser uh, up at the actual page we're going to link to in the show notes here, but there's a little... A teaser of all these news reporters reporting, and he's like the only link to the outside world. Yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting. Um, I, I sat in a, a, pod, or a panel with the CDC at DragonCon, and they were talking that they were trying to still figure this out. Like, you know, they got awareness of like different diseases and the, the how far it's traveling far faster just using Twitter and Facebook than they ever did in the olden age. So the social media is now becoming the the go-to way for, for kind of like disaster emergencies yeah, well, and just communicating. Yeah. Well, and they've just done a beautiful job of kind of playing into this whole zombie craze because they, they do this like at Halloween, don't they zombify their site or do whatever they do with it? Oh yeah. They also have the, the zombie one Oh one section. So I think it's like cdc.org forward slash zombies. It may be wrong. Um, but you could download like the, you know, disaster preparedness program that you need. And it's, it's basic stuff that you need to be prepared anyway. They just kind of wrap it in a nice zombie story. <laughs> right, so it, it communicate people are into it, but it kind of communicates what it needs to uh, needs to do, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Em, you've kind of come on board with this crew. Uh, what what's your kind of uh, part in this? I am a groupie, <laughs> and <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Uh, awesome. I'm I am a fan girl. And I met Mike uh, last year at a con and just really loved what he was doing and, and got to know what Big Damn Films does. And uh, I had just missed the opportunity to, to be a part of the the crowdfunding for this for the preview that's on uh, the Indiegogo site. And as soon as I saw the first, like, I saw, I saw him again this summer and Mike was do you want to see a sneak peek? Heck yeah, I want to see a sneak peek. Bring it. I was in. <laughs> I was sold. I this is it's it's such a neat it's a great concept. 
it's a great story. It hasn't been told yet. And then as a guy, as a person, my, what Mike does is, is amazing. He's, and I, I, I hope I remember how I said it, but he's, he wants to make some awesome. Okay. And he needs, he needs people to kind of help him make the awesome so that, and he wants to share that awesome with the person. So not only are you giving him some awesome to make awesome, he's giving you awesome back, which is very cool. And in the end, we all just want to be awesome. So it's, I love the concept that it involves charities. You know, I've talked about doing a ton of work with, um, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and Mike's got a couple of charities on board with this. Uh, I, I love it. I love I love the funness of it. I love the creativity. I love it, that it's a different way to communicate and to and to educate and to just to just put out the thing that you love. And um, I, again, I'm a fan girl and I'm a groupie. I'm not that kind of groupie because I have a little class. Um, but I will, you know, wear the t-shirt bedazzled a little and. I'm, I'm on board. I, 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 I want to see this succeed because I know it will, and I want to help it. I want to give my awesome to the awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mike, do you want to tell us tell us a little bit about some of the charities that you guys are you know raising funds for? Because this is not. I mean, it is the kicks. The it's not Kickstarters. The Indiegogo campaign is again to help make the movie, but ultimately the larger goal is how can we help support the charities that you're looking the big damn films kind of supports. Well, the, the, the charities that we have is that we have the American Red Cross, Kids Need to Read, and we're currently looking out there to see if there's a third charity to fill a spot. Um, and then uh, we, we have a very small amount that is actually getting set aside for our own nonprofit, which is Big Damn Films, which is a 501c3. Um, and the reason for that is we learned a very valuable lesson on Broncos Redemption. Like, uh, by, it was very successful, but towards the end of the campaign, a lot of the things that um, – made it successful and allowed it to sustain. We were really coming out of the pockets of myself and other volunteers. So really the, the small amount that we're, we're setting aside for big name films is just to make sure that we can cover cost of DVDs, make sure that we can cover cost of production, make sure we can afford to go to conventions and bring, bring some of the actors there instead of having to ask them to pay for their own way, right, which is right. really kind of crappy thing to do. Um, I didn't like doing it last time. I don't like doing it now. So we're really just trying to make it um, sustainable. Right, but right. we chose, just like with Broncoats, we try to choose charities that are in line with the story in some way. Uh, I mean, the American Red Cross is at every convention that's that's kind of large, and they do blood drives, and it, it's zombies. Right. So, of course, the American Red Cross, because <laughs> they uh, they don't just do blood work. They do disaster relief. Like uh, we have in the proof of concept that you can see on the Indiegogo page, um, there is a disaster relief preparedness fan that's there, and the Red Cross are in the background doing what they do best, kind of taking care of people that have been injured. And that van had just been the night before at a four alarm fire in DC, like helping the family of that fire. Um, and then we have kids need to read, which is an amazing charity. Like Denise and Debbie and those guys are gals. There's some guys there too. Um, but they take under uh, books and put them in underprivileged schools. And I am a huge nerd. So I love to read. Um, I love sci-fi books. Uh, books play a huge part of our culture in the geek culture from everything from like the dark Knight to game of Thrones. So the majority of the stuff that you see on TV is today is kind of in one way or another influenced by books. So why not tie in those guys again? Um, and charity is always just really, really important because to me, I, I look at movies like, 
I don't know, just pick a random movie that's that's going out there, and you have some that are breaking even, and some that aren't doing so well. Um, and then there's a lot of focus that's put on the the opening weekend sales, and nobody really looks at the longevity of what a film actually does. Like a movie will break even long after it's it's been in the theaters, but then you have like Dark Knight Rises, which makes hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, where's that hundreds of millions of dollars go after it's been, you know, allocated to uh, paying for marketing and promotion and everybody's been paid back because those guys are paid before they even start making the movie. So yeah, you've made your money back and yeah, you've paid for marketing, but there's still hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they gave a very small portion of that to, you know, the, the families that were involved in the shooting. And then you had uh, United 93, which was a movie based on the, the United the plane in nine 11 over PA. <clears throat> and they gave 10% of their opening weekend sales, um, to the the cause and they could have done so much more. And the reality is, is our actors are going to get paid. Um, our marketing is going to be paid for. We're going to go to conventions. And I figured out through Brown Coats Redemption, it doesn't cost a lot of money to self-distribute. Where it starts costing a lot of money is where I go and find a distribution house who is going to charge me like $6 per DVD right. when it really only costs $6 for a DVD to go and do all the things that I could do myself if I'm willing to do a little bit of hard work. Right. Um, and I'd like to make sure that, that we're, we're kind of putting some awesome in the world. As, as M said, I mean, she said it perfectly. Uh, there's, there's this group called the nerd fighters. There's uh, Hank and John green that are, they're bloggers and they do this thing called project for awesome where they try to raise money for charity. Why can't we start doing that in all aspects of media? Like I think people would continue going back to theaters if they knew that even the second or third or fourth weekend sales went to charity, they'd start caring more about the experience of going to theaters. If they knew that they were actually, you know, part of their $20 was doing some good because I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people that don't go to the movies anymore because it just gets fucking expensive, mm. you know, but I know uh, every person I know would pay, gladly pay 20 bucks. They knew at least 50% of that was going to go help like the American Red Cross or help kids that need to read. I mean, can't stop the serenity, the annual event going on by the Browncoats, uh, the fans of Firefly and then the movie serenity, um, raises hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. And that's just from like one showing of a movie. And these people go and they pay to see a movie they've seen over and over and over again in a theater with friends that they know mm-hmm. have seen it over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. it's an experience. And I think we can actually do that with original content. And I think we can start changing the way that the system works so that people are kind of inspired again. And they, they want to create, they want to create for the right reasons and not just getting rich and getting famous because it's it's really like getting struck by lightning that that happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's that's my rant. Right, right. No, and, uh, and well worth it because you do. You bring up some valid points there about, you know, all the money that's brought in by movies and how much more we could be doing in the world if we uh, at least spread that around a little bit, you know? Well, I think, I mean, all you have to do is you have to look at Kevin Smith and uh, Joss Whedon in the past two years with Red State and Much Ado About Nothing. These are, these are two filmmakers at, at arguably the tops of their games, and they completely bucked the way the system went, and they just basically did what's called four-walling, where they took their movie, they set it up in the theater, they showed secret readings, they did a Q&A afterwards, and then they went to the next city. And they were profitable. They made all of their money back and then some, and they were just as, as successful as they would have been financially had they gone with a major, major company. You know, I mean... We it can be done, mm-hmm. right? Right. 
So uh, take me, uh, Mike, just a little bit from uh, so Brown Coats Redemption to Z-Con. As a filmmaker and director, beyond the charity, which is absolutely wonderful, and beyond the fact that the concepts are different and distribution, you learned a lot about that. Uh, what, what else has been like maybe some of the essential things that you learned through the process that you're looking at kind of exploring as you push out Zcon here? Um, besides getting into the distribution model of, of kind of self-distribution, I'd really like to get to a place where uh, I, I learned a lot about that. I mean, we shipped to every continent on the globe with Brunco's Redemption and, um, from a living room. You know, we had parties where anywhere from like five to 20 people would gather over and we'd pack orders and we'd just label them and ship them. Uh, we set up our own screenings at conventions and movie theaters. Um, the the post-production is really, really, like I'm really getting into the, the minutia of details. Like I've produced a couple other people's movies. I've uh, helped with the crowdfunding for other people's uh, because we were doing crowdfunding for Brown Coats Redemption uh, before Kickstarter actually started. Like we started in 2008, Kickstarter launched in 2009, and we unwittingly re- didn't know that we were doing exactly what Kickstarter was set up to do. Mm-hmm. We just kind of did it by chance. Um, but I'm, I'm just inter- interested in exploring everything. I mean, anybody that's seen the proof of concept, it's a night and day difference as a filmmaker and an artist from what I did on Broncos Redemption. Um, and that's only because I think the most important thing that anybody could do is get people that are smarter than them you know, nearby and, and helping. Um, so, you know, I have M who's awesome. She's far more be- awesome at being awesome than I am. So I, you know, she's my ambassador of awesome. Um, Aww. you know, I have like Tamara Johnson, who's my audio producer on, on Zcon, who has been in the business for 30 years. Like I have, uh, and Paul Beal, who is, is my camera operator for the proof of concept. And he came down Monday from, from Broncos. And both of these people have made movies that are on my DVD shelf. And I don't mean like they're independent stuff. I mean, like, you know, I, I can't even a handful of stuff. It's amazing. Um, and I'm getting to work with these people because they kind of see something in me that, that I see in them, which is like, you know, we, we, I respect what they're doing. I respect where their position is. And I just want to create great stuff. Um, how did I get from brown coats to here? Like sheer force of will. <laughs> like I, prior to brown coats, I'd never thought of making a movie before. I never. I was like an armchair director. I watch all the behind the scenes crap. You know, my wife makes fun fun of me because I won't buy a DVD if it doesn't have like more than a half an hour's worth of behind the scenes content. Oh, um, the same way. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's 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 important. And, it's really important. And I, I didn't realize that I was, you know, creating my own little film school. Um, and then I just kind of got lucky and, and fell into the thing that I think I was meant to do for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. whether it's directing or writing or producing or, or marketing. I mean, uh, that's the, the thing I love about filmmaking is it gets to do a little bit of everything I love to do. Mm-hmm. And then I get to work with, with phenomenally awesome people, ranging from the charities to the volunteers to the people that work on the set. So uh, it doesn't suck to do this, sir. Not at all. And so, and obviously, uh, after your experience with Brown Coach, you said, "I want to do this again." So something, something, despite how difficult that process was, stuck with you and said, "This is this is me. There's something in me that defines me in this." Oh yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was like a light bulb went off. Like I, 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 I think some of what Oprah says is kind of funny sometimes, but like that light bulb moment that she thing, like when you kind of 
figure out what it is that you want to do and what you're really, really good at. And I don't mean like what you're good at in the, like I'm Kanye West and I think I'm great at everything, Right. but like, <laughs> like I, I'm actually pretty good at this and I'm, I know I'm, I've still got a long way to go and I'm willing to put the work. Like you kind of hold on to that, like with, with two fists. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Like I was at Infect Scranton uh, zombie convention last weekend or the weekend before. And I met a six year old who knew at six year old, six years old that he wants to be a dentist and knew more about teeth mm. and dental work at six years old than I know now. And, and that is the closest thing to equate to me realizing I wanted to be a filmmaker at 33. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I think what is, I can't put a finger on it. It's like, I, there's no perfect science to say that this was what I was meant to do, but I think everything kind of adds up to this. Right. Right. Well, I, I appreciate you, Mike, coming on and just uh, cha- talking a little bit about Z-Con. Um, can you tell people where they can where they can go to watch the teaser, support the Indigo to a campaign that you are doing? So they can go to youhavebeeninfected.com, uh, and that'll take you right to the Indiegogo page where you can see the pitch video at the bottom of the page. You can see the proof of concept that we did thanks to the successful uh, backing of 221 backers last year. Um, and there is some behind-the-scenes stuff, like what it's like to be an extra and what it was like to do some of the special effects makeup. Uh, coming up very soon, we have a, a whole segment on doing stunt work. Uh, we have like four or five really good stunts that we had to cut out of the proof of concept for time. Um, but all of this kind of gives you an idea of the level of professionalism that we put into this, the level of effort and detail that we're putting into it. And, you know, whether you're, you're donating $5, which will get you a digital copy of the movie once it's in theaters, or you're contributing, you know, $30, which gets you a copy of the movie and a t-shirt. Like, I want to make sure that you understand that the money that you're putting into the campaign is actually going to go to people who give a shit about what that money. Like, we're not just trying to line our pockets and go on vacation. We're trying to create something that is far more valuable than the money that you're giving to us. Right, right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mike, for jumping into the podcast here to talk a little bit about ZCon and and what you're hoping to do with this. And we have a month to give. And uh, so make sure you... Going over to you. Uh, what was it again? This website. You, uh, you have been infected. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, Mike. Appreciate you jumping in here. You got it, man. Anytime. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Boo Boo. Right. Well, uh, that was it. Was awesome to hear from Mike again, wasn't it? I love him to bits. I'm so glad he came to I for yeah, a man. snack and to tell us about his new adventure, his new bunch of awesome. Yeah, his new bunch of awesome where zombies are getting human snacks here at the Sci-Fi <laughs> Diner. Right, right. Well, let's move into this week in Star Trek. And since Miles is not here really to talk about it, do you want to chat about, uh, well, we can maybe both chat about Brian Fuller's talking about bringing back Star Trek to the uh, small screen. And Brian Fuller, as you know, is not an alien to the Star Trek franchise. He's been, he's, he has over more than 20 Trek writing credits from Voyager and Deep Space Nine, Mm -hmm. both Mm -hmm. shows he worked on before he began the string of acclaimed cult hit shows. It began with Dead Like Me and Hannibal. So a lot of TV ground there. Um, What do you think about what he's saying here regarding bringing Trek back? I don't know. I mean, you know, and he kind of points out his first job that being part of Trek was his first job in Hollywood. And he spent a couple of years on the staff and then he was freelancing. And 
So I, I'm not really sure, but I know that he's got the love and he understands the philosophy of, of it all. I mean, but what would the shit? A little bit of nostalgia yeah. to play. But, but you know, what's it going to be about? I mean, the Star Trek landscape has been radically altered since he left the franchise. Things are really cuckoo since 2009. And who knows? Like, he is, is this, he going to pick? Yeah, he has this one quote that I think maybe kind of tells us. He's kind of vague on the whole thing, of course. But I said, I think there's something very exciting about the new J.J. Abrams verse. And there's also a kind of interesting reinvention, he said. How would the next generation evolve from that? Where would that be? What would go? Uh, where would that go? But there's also Star Trek is such a big universe, and there are so many places to go with it. I, I have know. a very specific idea I would love to do. We'll see if we get that opportunity. So that's just quote. And people have interpreted that to say, hey, okay, another next generation. But I think he's talking about something larger here. I think so, too. I think so, too. DS9 had a great launching pad for getting we got more in depth with the races. It wasn't just, you know, the species of the week. We really got to know certain species. And that was that was intriguing and and satisfying. So I, I hope he, he takes a little bit from everything. And Voyager was was species of the week and getting to to know the different species a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, Although I'm a little borged out, I could live without the Borg. Yeah, well, uh, but, unless we get like really like proto Borg. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. See if it pans out. They've been talking about bringing Trek to the small screen so many years that sometime it's probably going to happen, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Mm. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, let's move into our last promo tonight. This promo is for the, I was going to say the Chronic Rift podcast when they have a great podcast too, but this promo is for Cyborgs, a bionic podcast also on the Sweet. Chronic Rift network. So that's the association with the Chronic Rift. But this, of course, if you are into the bionic woman or the uh, bionic man, was that bionic man? Was that the name of the show? Bionic. Yeah, six yeah, million so dollar man. Six yo. million dollar man. That's what I'm thinking of. And so this is a podcast that focuses on that. And so if you love reliving those old episodes, this is a perfect podcast for you to check out. Two longtime fans of two bionic shows discuss an episode in detail every two weeks with one guest host. The Six Million Dollar Man, The Bionic Woman, The Mythology, A Look Behind the Scenes, Those Sound Effects, and The Fashions. Oh my god, The Fashions. Cyborgs, a bionic podcast. Hosted by John S. Drew and Paul K. Bisson. Find us at chronicrift.com slash cyborgs or subscribe on iTunes. Captain, 
I've lost to James Kirk. I want you dead. I want you dead. I want you dead. I'm never going to be the captain. Never. Never. Kill him. <laughs> You are. You are as I loved you. Kill him. Can you do anything for him? I'd like to take care of her. Of course. Come with me. sure we all understand that, Captain. Her life could have been as rich as any woman's. If only... If only... She must have really loved you once, sir. Well, if it was ever really loved. Turned to vengeance and anger a long time ago. <laughs> like they say, it's a thin line between love and hate. Very thin. to be struck by what passion and emotions drive humans to, what they cause you to become. Yes. Sometimes they almost envy you, Mr. Spock. Almost. What a mess. Is that a smile I see on your face, Mr. Spock? Guess not. I believe we were scheduled to rendezvous with the Potemkin. Yes, sir. In under four hours. Well, let's not keep them waiting. Lieutenant Uhura, contact them. Let them know we'll be lighting all the boilers, if that's all right with you, Mr. Scott. Ah, uh, as if you had to ask. Mr. Chekhov, set a course for Beta Oragai. Course laid in, sir. Mr. Sulu, warp six. Yes, sir. Well, we're back. We are about to share a short leave. Was it 35 uh, interview that um, you were not a part of, but had a chance to meet Vic, right? I did briefly, and he's really well known in the voice world. He's he's been on so many different shows. Um, there's there's a there's a lot to him, and I can't speak to it very well. But just give a listen, Miles and uh, and Vic had a chance to have a nice little chit chat. 
Yeah, and so I mean, I had, I met him. I think at last shore leave, and we threw up an interview from him and the guys at Starship Farragut as they were kind of exploring this concept. And uh, they've actually released, I believe, the first episode of Star Trek Continues. So you hear a lot about that in the interview. But he, of course, is known for his work on especially Full Metal Alchemist and uh, Dragon Ball Z. So mm-hmm. hope you enjoy this interview that we give you with Vic. All night duty personnel, report status for shift change. Why do I keep volunteering for night shift? Because it counts points toward promotion. Besides, it's not so bad. Easy for you to say, from where you're sitting. Rank has its privileges. Boys. Boys. Is it... comfortable? Hmm? Because it looks... comfortable. Why don't you find out for yourself? You must be joking. It is comfortable. I could get used to this. Who am I? (laughs) (laughs) Now you must be joking. Course heading, Captain? Call me... Saw. (laughs) You know, the best starship in the fleet will be the first one commanded by a woman. Czar, you're relieved. Don't mind if I do. Doesn't this just feel right? Lieutenant, open up a channel. My, don't you look absolutely beautiful today? (laughs) Uh, uh, Mr. Chekhov, Mr. Sulu, set a course for Starbase 10. Aye, Captain. Yes, sir. (laughs) Yes, sir. Steady as she goes, Captain. All ships report ready for shift change, Captain. Maintaining course as per your previous orders, Captain. Would you come here a minute, please, Lieutenant? I can't imagine a better female, Captain. Someday. If I know anything, I know you have what it takes to command. And so do you. And you. Your ships will have the finest captains in the fleet because I've got the finest crew in the fleet. Maintain course and heading, Ensign. Ladies and gentlemen, we're at Shore Leave 35. We're hanging out with uh, Vic Minana from Star Trek Continues. 
We had the pleasure last year to be talking with him about Star Trek Continues. And well, now their first episode, Pilgrim Attorney, has debuted, and I plan on spoiling it. So if you haven't seen Pilgrim Attorney yet, stop listening to this interview. Go watch it now. It's great. It's fantastic. Mr. Dermanana, welcome and thank you for taking time well, to talk first to of us. all, just call me Vic. Vic. Because my last name is way too complicated, and we're friends anyway. So um, it's, it's great to see you again. It's thank great you to see so you. Much. Oh, my pleasure. And I've seen lots of other Star Trek fan films. Many of them are good, enjoyable. I can enjoy it for what it is. I'm, I can watch a fan film and judge it on its own merits. But when I've seen Pilgrim Eternity, i got to say it's probably the best independent effort on any Star Trek fan film thank I've ever you. seen before. Thank you. I appreciate that. And... And to be honest with you, um, I don't think that's by accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've put together a team of extremely talented, competent, skilled professionals who just happen to be mm-hmm. Star Trek fans. Um, and, I, and I think that that was something that we set out to do from the very beginning. Um, I, I had seen a lot of other productions, and I thought, you know what? This this could be done so much better at sure. such higher quality if if the right people were brought together. Mm-hmm. And so that was what we endeavored to do. We partnered up with Farragut Films, and uh, and we acquired a huge facility where we completely rebuilt the entire soundstage, which no one has ever done mm-hmm. since 1969. There are fan films, that, fan productions that have a couple of sets or a few sets, and they're, some of them are even scaled down because they don't have space to make them full size. Right. But what we have is within inches of the original uh, size and dimension and shape, and everything is laid out and interconnected and oriented exactly the same way as the original soundstage. And then we brought in actors. Right. People who are actually actors. And... Mm-hmm. and uh, and quality directors of photography and lighting and sound and costuming and makeup and every one of those elements has to come together in order for it to really feel as much like the original series as possible. I thought watching it, it you know, I could forget that there are different uh, actors playing our heroes. Thank you for that. Because so. you know what, that is the single most common thing that we hear from people. Um, the episode was released roughly seven weeks ago, and it's doing very, very well. It has almost, I believe, a half a million views already. And the most common thing that we hear from people is, within 10 or 15 minutes, I forgot I was watching a fan production. I, I kind of felt I was watching the next episode in the series that never that never aired. And I mean, you could not pay us a higher compliment. Well, uh, as a fan of the original series, I'm you know delighted that you that you made that episode. Thank you. Uh, well, see, I myself was I'm as big a fan of the original series as anybody you would ever meet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could quote you entire episodes word for word. I mean, I, I was the biggest fan of the original series mm-hmm. when I was a little boy. So the chance to do what we're doing. And to, to be able to play an iconic role that I, that was my role model when I was a little boy is really a pleasure, a privilege. Captain Kirk was my first superhero before yeah. Superman or Batman, or Batman was. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep, he was my... My dad was not around. He was my father figure. He was my role model. 
and uh, so it was a childhood dream come true. You talk about the great group of people you had uh, to, to play our heroes and, and, to, and a team to get together. But you were also able to get uh, Mr. Michael Forrest to reprise his role of Apollo in the original series episode, Who Mourns for Adonai. How were you able to convince him to uh, come back and play Apollo again? Well, you know what? It's actually a funny story. Um, Barbara Luna, who, who played uh, Marlena mm-hmm. in Mirror Mirror, beautiful, right? Beautiful girl. Mm-hmm. She and I did some work together, and we became friends. And one day she said to me, you know, Vic... Michael Forrest would love to do a Star Trek production. Oh. And I logged that away in the back of my mind. So when I launched Star Trek Continues and was thinking about what would our first episode be, mm-hmm. I thought, hey, why don't we write a sequel to Who Mourns for Adonis and, and ask him if he'd like to do it. So I'm, Barbara put me in touch with him, mm-hmm. and I had lunch with him, mm-hmm. and told him what we were doing, and gave him the story idea, and he was very interested, and and then he his he said his wife wanted to be involved, and so she did a little cameo as as Athena. Right, I remember that. And uh, we had the best time. He is one of the nicest men, awesome actor, and wonderful man, and we spent eight days down at our sets in Georgia shooting the episode and had the time of laughing, cutting up, and making something very special. It was an honor to work with him. Hey, Nick. Well, let's take care of you. Hey, there. I'm glad you're back, brother. Now, remind me your name. Josh. Josh. Broly time. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, so Josh. It's my pleasure, man. Thank you. I think I didn't have the fight. If I had the money, I would have got the big cop. That's all right. You know what? There'll be other opportunities for that. We'll get to do that again sometime. All right. What what video games did you for you think? Oh, dude. Dozens and dozens and dozens. Uh, uh, IMDb is your friend. Yeah, Soul Calibur, Disgaea, Persona, Persona, Persona Three, Junpei. Um, gosh, all the DBZ stuff, all the Bleach stuff, all the Naruto stuff, all the Full Metal stuff, uh, Final Fantasy. Uh, um, Kingdom Hearts. I, Who'd you fight in the Naruto? Uh, Obito and Nagato. Oh my god. Nice. Yeah. Obito was funny though. Yeah, I liked him a lot. I liked him a lot. My, my favorite characters in Naruto were Naruto and Sakura. Yes. Those were, those two were my favorites out of them all. Very cool. Well, actually, and actually, add Pinata in there too. So, thank you. So thank much. you, Josh. Look forward to seeing you again, man. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, you also had what I understand an 11th hour cast change. Our favorite country doctor, Leonard McCoy. Um, you really get Dr. Star Trek himself to join you. Can you please tell us how you got uh, Larry Nemechek to... Uh... Well, again, another interesting story. Um, 
I had decided, again, as I said, I decided from the very beginning that I was going to cast actors. They are going to be people who are able to, to communicate the emotional depths and the highs and lows of the story. You probably would agree with me that one of the areas that most fan films fall short is in the acting. Yes. A lot of times they're just kind of hard to watch. Right. They're well-meaning fans. Of course, they're fans. Yeah. And, and they're ha- fulfilling their dream and they're having a great time and that's awesome. Yeah. But I wanted to take it a step further. Sure. I've spent my life acting. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be able to tell those deeper stories. Right. So I originally had cast uh, a good friend of mine named Chuck Huber, mm-hmm. who is an amazing actor mm-hmm. and a well-known voice actor, to play Dr. McCoy. And he played McCoy for the vignettes that we did. Right. About a month before we were supposed to shoot the episode, Chuck had some issues, some, some challenges, and some things came up in his life that required me to make some tough decisions. Ironically, months earlier, Larry Nemechek had contacted me mm-hmm. and said, what you're doing, it's really amazing. I, I wish I would have known about it. I would have loved to have auditioned for McCoy. Right. And he even said, I loved, Star- I loved McCoy the way you loved... Um, yeah, he, he's a huge Dr. McCoy fan. Yes. And so I contacted him and I said, you know, there's only a month before the episode, uh, Larry, but are you interested and willing to do this? And he said, I would love to do it. It would be a dream come true. Mm-hmm. So he stepped in at the last minute and uh, took over as McCoy. Awesome. I thought, I thought he did a fantastic job. I love what, that you gave the antagonist, or who mourns it, Fred and I, a chance at redemption. Uh, what was, I mean, you, you penned the script for Pilgrim Attorney? What I wrote was, the story yeah. and, and some of the script, yes. What inspired you to make it a redemption story? Well, first of all, if we were going to involve Mike Forrest, if it was going to be an Apollo story, what would the story be? Where did we leave him? Uh, right? I mean, disgraced, he, yeah. Yeah, he was spurned mm-hmm. and rejected and in tears, right. looking up at the heavens saying, Forgive me, my old friends, you were right. Yeah. Athena, Aphrodite, you were right. Mm-hmm. Take me, forgive me, my old friends, take me. And he just disappeared. Well, where'd he go? Right. Where'd he go? Yeah. Soon, uh, presum- presumably, he went wherever they all went. Where was that? So I started thinking about. What would be the conditions under which circumstances under which they would run into him again? We would obviously have to come up with some plausible reason for why he's 45 years older when in Star Trek time only two years had passed since they'd seen him, which we did. And then, where do you go from there? For me, the original series of Star Trek is all about the ethical, moral of the story, a morality play, uh, a social commentary on an issue, uh, an ethical quandary. The, the best stories were all about the deeper issues. Sure. That's another area that a lot of fan films fall way short. They want to beam down, and they want to fight Klingons, and they want to shoot phasers, but what's the point? You know what I mean? Where's the deeper story? Right. Where's the pathos? Mm-hmm. That's where, where it is exploring the human condition. Exactly. And so, uh, 
I started trying to think of what would be a really great story that would have a deeper theme. And what I came up with was, what if... What if Apollo is determined not to try to make people worship him anymore? He just wants to live in peace with other humans. He doesn't want to die alone. So there's a commentary on the nature of addiction. Whether or not people are capable of changing deep, you know, deep addiction behaviors just by force of will. Right. A lot of people can't. You know, you have AA and you have things, programs to help people who cannot by themselves just pull themselves up by their bootstraps and decide to do something different. The, the, ch- the challenges and the addictions are way too deep. But even bigger than that was the concept of what if, what if we created a situation where Apollo is able to to gain life energy from self-sacrifice mm-hmm. as opposed to worship. What if by doing for others and sacrificing for others, mm-hmm. he actually enriches his own life energy? And, and as soon as I thought of that, I'm like, that is a Star Trek concept. And you can fuck the young concept again. Of, self, of self-sacrifice yeah. as life energy, yeah. that's a Star Trek concept. And so that became the, uh, the, the the driving you know theme of the story. Again, I I, I thought Phil Attorney explored the human condition, fantastic, and Thank you. given given Apollo a chance to redeem himself. And and you know what? I think maybe that is the phrase that I used with Mike Forrest that sold him. I said, you know what this is, Mike? It's a re- it's an Apollo redemption story. Mm-hmm. And he went, ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. So, is there a timetable and expect maybe another next uh, Star Trek Continues well, episode? We are planning to shoot our next episode in late October mm-hmm. this year. I would love to think, and I do optimistically believe, I realistically believe that we could shoot at least two episodes, maybe even three episodes a year. Mm-hmm. If we have two things, mm-hmm. one, the money, mm-hmm. and two, a good story, mm-hmm. because I, that I'm committed to that. I, I do not want to tell stories that are lame, kind of fan servicey stories just for the sake of doing it. Right. And I do believe that we've set the bar pretty high mm-hmm. with Pilgrim of Eternity. So the challenge now is to find stories that have that same power and that same depth same pathos and resonate with people in the same way. No small task. Sure. That's not easy. You'd be surprised. We started asking people about it and we started asking for people to submit ideas mm-hmm. and we got a lot of ideas and the vast majority of them they were they were fan service. They were fan films. Right. They they didn't have that depth, that deeper meaning mm-hmm. that that I think is what made Star Trek so special. Sure. Captain Kirk beams down to the planet and he fights the Klingons. Okay, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Mr. Spock, it's kidnapped by Romulans. Okay, what's the point? 
Sure. You know what I mean? What's the deeper purpose? For, for, what, are we to, what are we telling here? What are we, what are we addressing here? The best episodes of the original series were, were episodes that did that. And that's mm-hmm. what we want to do. Well, Star Trek and any good sci-fi, after you're watching it, should make you think. I mean, you may not exactly. necessarily agree with what they're saying, but at the same time, I think you could, you know, you're know, you going to think more deeply about it because they, they raised it an issue a certain way. Yes. And, and Star Trek was all about human drama and human relationships challenges. It just happened to be set in space. Right. It wasn't a crazy sci-fi thing. It was human story. It just happened to be set in space. Sure. How can, how can, how can we uh, help support Star Trek Continues? Well, I appreciate you, you asking. Um, if you go to StarTrekContinues.com, mm-hmm. there is a donate button right there. Yeah. People can hit donate and donate. Because we are not licensed by CBS, as none of the fan productions are, we can't sell anything. We can't make any money. And to be honest with you, we don't want to. Sure. I have a job. Mm-hmm. We all have jobs. We're not. I'm not trying to make money off Star Trek. I have no interest in it. Mm-hmm. In fact, you don't want to know how much of my own money I put into making the first episode. We didn't ask for any money from anybody mm-hmm. because I wanted to. I wanted to do the first one myself mm-hmm. and fund it myself to prove to people that it could be done at the level that we did it. Right. Very much like a proof of concept. So instead of people getting online going, will you give us money to do something that you have no idea whether we can do or not? We don't know that we can do it. We've not proven that we can do it. You've never seen anything that we've done because we've never done it. But will you give us money anyway? I didn't feel like that was very ethical. I feel that that's not a good choice. So I spent lots of my own money to build the sets, along with some a couple of friends, to build the sets, fly people down, feed them, hotels, all of the costs of production to create the first episode myself. And uh, and now uh, we would love any donations that people can can help that want to see more of what we're doing. And we will intend to launch a Kickstarter mm-hmm. sometime soon, so keep your eyes open for, for the Kickstarter launch and uh, help in any way you can. That would be the best thing. Uh, and to stay aware, to be stay in the know as far as what's going on Star Trek continues, visit the website. We have official Star Trek Continues Facebook page. Okay, yeah. Social there, media. Are some, there are some people out there, some nefarious troublemakers, who have made fictitious Star Trek Continues Facebook pages to confuse fans. Mm-hmm. And they've put up their own, you know, fan production pictures to try to confuse fans. But look for our pictures of mm-hmm. our characters and our actors mm-hmm. so you'll know you've got the right one. It's official Star Trek Continues Facebook uh, and Star Trek Continues. Okay. Vic, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much, bro. Enjoy your leave. Okay, great. I will. Now, who's ready for dessert? Sci-Fi 5 and 5, where we bring you the top 5, the worst 5, of anything in science fiction or fantasy, in 5 minutes or less.
Well, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Donner Podcast. We have one more thing we got to do before we get out of here, and um, this is in response to your Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Oh, so, awesome. So let's go back. Give us the premise for the Sci-Fi 5 and 5 that kind of stirred up some controversy. So I did a little research, and I did my, my Sci-Fi 5 and 5 of my favorite women in the sci-fi genre. Um and characters, really, and the actresses who portray them. And some people did not really like my choices, which is okay. You know, everybody's got, everybody's, everybody's nerd is different. Um, so I was curious, all right, well, there's all these names coming at me that I'd never heard before. And I thought, well, this is a great opportunity to learn. So fans, give me your five five hot chicks, your super divas, your, you know, kick ass and chick names later because she's kicking more you know what. Um, so, and Jen M rose to, rose to the, I wouldn't call it a challenge, but she rose to the spectacular and shared some of her awesome. Right, right. I think most of the hate from yours came with your choice as Janeway from Voyager. Yes. Wasn't that the one? I, you know, I know. She didn't bother me as a, I, I, I liked your list. Um, I'm not sure if, like, I haven't thought about the strong female characters that I would have put there. I think if I were to do it, I would have been focusing more on just television. Well, I guess they're all TV. So, but I would have picked different ones, and that would have been based on my viewing experience, which is exactly what yours was based on. So, mm-hmm. so I didn't have a problem with your list. Let's hear what Jen has to say with her Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Hi, guys. This is Jen from New York. I just wanted to call in about the end's top five women in sci-fi slash fantasy for me. And I could agree with her, too, on the, the whole Captain Janeway thing. I'm like, I always loved Captain Janeway. I'm like, ever since she was like, what, when she first came in, she was like the first female captain like that in the Star Trek show. And I'm like, you know, besides the other captain, woman captain that we found out in Enterprise B and that one the Next Generation episode, but I'm like, that's beside the point. <laughs> but uh, I always loved Janeway. I always thought, felt that she was more like a female version of Captain. I'm like, she would actually like, shoot first and ask questions later. And I always felt, too, that she was more of a mama bear, too, that, like, she always took care of her young, her cubs, her crew, you know, especially, like, when, uh, you know, say, Tom Paris or even Kim got into trouble, you know, she was always there to get them out of a jam. So I'm like, I always loved her. I always felt like, that, you know, these characters are very empowering, you know, female role models. You know, for any kid, girl who, like, needed somebody to look up to. And I'm like, I always felt, you know, whenever I felt down, I always, like, watched them. So my top five, you know, sci-fi slash, you know, fantasy women are, uh, mine would be, Cena, number one, Cena, Warrior, Princess. And talk about, uh, empowering. And, uh, my number two would be, uh, Captain Janeway. Three would be Ripley from Aliens, especially the second one. Especially being the protective mother with the, the little girl in the second one. I mean, that's the best picture. And, uh, number, what's up, my, the four would be Linda Hamilton from Terminator. And, uh, number five would be Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, I guess she'd be, like, in there. You know, these were all, like, talk about your kick butt, you know. I guess that would be my top five sci-fi fantasy, uh, kick butt women out there. So I guess that, you know, there's, there's many, many more now, especially these days. I wish I could do like a top ten, but uh, I narrowed it down to five for you. 
Jen, thank you so much for giving us your sci-fi yes. five and five. It's awesome. Yes. That's what we're Indeed. looking for. C- come up with your own list if you don't like our list or if you have a different list. You know, it doesn't, be, it doesn't have to be that you hate, you're hating on our list, but you just have some different female characters that are strong characters. Um, and, we, you know, we, we, we often have done lists of female characters. I think the other thing would be interesting is, like, how would you define, like, the top male characters? And how, where, would you, where would you draw a line? How would you fit that? I mean, there's a lot of them. Right. So where would you... Like, what, who's a role model? Who's yeah, not? Yeah, so we do look at role models or villains, or what are you looking at there? Who would you trust a million dollars with? Exactly, exactly. Vader, definitely. Um, so um, why don't you talk um, a little bit... Uh, what do you think of Jen's list here? I like Jen's list. She's got some great ones in there. And having... had I Over the summer, I consumed all of Buffy. And had I heard it before I watched it, I would have said, Vey, okay, Buffy, I get it, I get it. And I've seen Buffy, and I, I do appreciate, if I put myself back at the time it was given, it was uh, on TV, it, um, it fit. And it does, she is a really fun, strong character. There were a lot of moments where I was just like, really, could you just pull your head out of your cleavage and just, Could you pull your head out of your butt and just realize this, that, and the other thing? But then I remember, okay, she's a teenager and she's got all this great power put upon her that she just can't handle right now. So it's, I I agree with it 100%. And then Ripley, definitely. Yeah. um, Very cool. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Buffy in my top five, but I definitely, I acknowledge that she is, she is quite awesome. Yeah. Definitely, if I did it, Ripley would definitely be in the top five. And I'm not oh. sure. That, I'm not sure that Buffy would make it, but Buffy's certainly a strong female character. And mm-hmm. you're looking at probably closer to identifying with young teens and teens, um, and really is a true vampire slayer. I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. um, with no sparkly vampires. All right. So, right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, don't you gotta, start with that. Yeah, you got to give her kudos for that. And we don't want to start that discussion either. But <laughs> uh, I think she has a really solid, solid list here. And, um, and good. I like it. So, thank you, Gem, again. And again, if you want to give us your sci fi five and five, just email the show. You'll hear uh, when we go out of show here exactly how to contact us, both in email and voicemail. And we would love. Love, love, love to have you share your own sci-fi five and five. And, you know, you set the parameters of it. It doesn't have to be the top female characters. It could be, again, the top most ethical sci-fi male role models. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, whatever. Are you snoring? Are, you just snored I when I did snorted. that. I snorted. No, no, no. So, but. I'm, I'm congested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sick and I'm dying. Um, but we are, um, but. Please send them in to us. We would love to hear from you. And if you want to comment on anything that we said tonight in the main show, just call us in at one 508 and we'll play in our listener feedback show. We'd love to hear from you guys, listeners. Yay! I believe that's about it. So uh, until next time, Miles should be back with us next time. And um, yeah. look forward to hearing his thoughts on some of the new shows. Looking forward to hearing yep. your thoughts on what you're reading, watching, and listening to. Thank you so much for joining us here in the Sci-Fi Diner tonight. Until next time, we will see ya. Do your dailies. Do your dailies. And for Miles, good night and good luck. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, 
flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com.